Welcome in. Before we get rolling, I want to tell you about the awesome sponsors that are keeping this free for you guys. First on the list, we have Pacific Custom Calls. If you're looking for a waterfowl call at all, ducks, geese, cranes, whatever you're after, uh, Pacific Calls have got it. I personally run the uh, 509 Goose Call. Been doing it for a couple years, and I love it. Haven't had any issues with it yet. Uh, the guys over there are awesome. So if you're looking for a new call, you can find them at PacificCustomCalls.com. Uh, search them up. Find what you need. If they don't have it, they will soon. Next, we have DuckSeason.com. Uh, this is a website where you can go on, uh, put in your location, where you're at, what you hunt, what you go after, and you can link up with people from across the country and see what they go after, where they're at, and you guys can trade hunts. Uh, it's an awesome deal. If you uh, don't have the money to do a guided hunt or you don't want to have a guide and you just kind of want to do somewhat freelance, this is a uh, great way to do it. So get on there, get signed up. just takes a couple seconds to uh, get your info in there and you're uh, on the list and people can search through your state and find you. And It's a great thing. I'm on it. Look for me there. Maybe we can trade a hunt someday. Now we have Easy Deeks uh, decoy rigging systems, decoy weight systems. They do Texas rigs, timber rigs, whatever you're looking for for your floating uh, decoys or decoy bags or anything like that. They got it there. Uh, check them out. A lot of cool stuff on there. Their website is the letters E Z Deeks, D E K E S.com. Um, a lot of cool things on there. Go check them out. Now we got Waylon Johnson and his guide service. He's down in the San Antonio area. He's chasing all sorts of ducks and geese down there along with some fishing. Uh, if you're down in the area looking for uh, some birds or for some fishing, give him a call. His number is 361 494 seven eight six eight now for your decoy needs you should go check out big al's decoys uh silhouettes of about any word you can think of he's got on there uh swans ducks geese pigeons turkeys and uh possibly some more cool things in the future big things so uh if you're looking for some decoys go check them all out they got bags and everything on the site uh it's big al's decoys.com b-i-g-a-l-s-d-e-c-o-y-s.com and on to uh, a custom lanyard site. If you're looking to uh, get a new lanyard, hang your calls on, looking for something to get customized, uh, Landon does a great job. He's at uh, Darkwater Customs. You can find him on Instagram and put an order through him that way, at dark underscore water underscore customs. Get on there, check it out. He does some awesome work. Uh, not just lanyards, he does haulers too. So uh, get after it. Go get him. Go get something cool from him. Now we've got Steady Wing Outfitters. That's Mikey Soberano over in Northeast Kansas. He specializes in waterfowl, turkey, deer. I know for waterfowl season coming up, he's uh, ready and raring to go. So if you're looking for a hunt over in that area, give him a call. His number is 785-410-2304. And last but not least, we have Highline Retrievers. That's my dog training business up here in Northeast Montana. Uh, if you're looking to get your dogs trained, if you're looking for advice, uh, whatever you need, I'm always available. I'm always uh, willing to help out. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, all the places. And then if you need to get a hold of me, uh, my number is 406-783-7083. Thanks a lot. Thanks to all of our sponsors. and Enjoy the show. Well, the took wing, shotgun singing, a pointing dog down in the old logging road. And then he got three. And look back, grinning. I fumbled around and I tried to reload. The country was cold. Welcome to the Woods and Water Podcast. This is Garrett. Drew is co-hosting again with me today, and we have Connor Nicola on. Um, Connor is going to introduce himself again. Full disclosure. So, Connor, why don't you introduce yeah. yourself? Yeah, no problem. My name's Connor, uh, 27 years old from Eastern Washington, up here in Spokane in the Pacific Northwest. Um, uh, really, just a waterfowl enthusiast and local hunter up here. I uh, don't. I'm not a guide. I'm not a business owner or anything like that. But uh, the last few years, I started a Delta Waterfowl chapter here in Eastern Washington, and have been the chairman of that for the last three years. Um, so that's been really great and share a lot of experiences with a lot of folks. And um, more recently, too, I was appointed to the Washington Waterfowl Advisory Group. I think that was in August. So I've been a part of that the last few months and really just a big outdoorsman and lover of all things waterfowl and big honkers. Okay. Go. 
So, real quick, on the Delta Waterfowl thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess full disclosure, if everybody is hearing this right now, that means that the first 15, 20 minutes of this did not record and it cut itself out. So we're kind of going over this again, so we're going to do it quick. Uh, so the Delta Waterfowl thing, if people don't know what Delta does, what just touch on what they do compared to Ducks Unlimited. Yeah, sure. Um, like I explain it, if folks haven't heard of Delta Waterfowl before, um, most have heard of Ducks Unlimited or DU, which is like Nike and Under Armour. It's two very similar conservation organizations that do a lot of work um, in the waterfowl world, generating money for different conservation projects and uh, producing more ducks in our flyways to be able to hunt and make this a sustainable resource for all of us to do. And so I am the chairman of one of a few chapters here in Washington, but it's a national organization that uh, we host different fundraisers throughout the year and different conservation projects, whether it's banding or building hen houses um, or different goose platform or wood duck boxes that we get people involved with and educate them at all the sportsman shows or different events throughout the year. Um, But yeah, really, we just try and generate some money um, to give back to our local communities here and the national organization to be able to do all this research and all these conservation projects throughout the nation. Yeah. And honestly, we won't get into all the banding stuff. So if you don't get to hear the banding stuff, honestly, I was so nerding out about that. But I mean, well, if, if you don't hear if the If you guys want to talk about it again, you surely can. No, I was really no, interested into it, it too. So you, you, yeah, you, ever, I mean, you ever heard of... Uh, no, 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 no. Well, 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 I'm not going to make you do it again. You, you ever heard of Nardwall, though? Nardvar. I have not. No. Nardwall? No, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that uh, guy, interviewer guy. Yeah, yeah. I was going to come off as like him and start spitting the facts about like your Harlequin. Full disclosure, I, I uh, stalked him on Instagram prior to. But let's talk about Harlequin. Harlequin, yeah. That is uh, a touchy subject to some here in Washington. Um, that was a bird, a very unique bird. If you don't know what that looks mm-hmm. like, go ahead and look that up because it's a very beautiful bird. Um, that, um, but prior to, I think it was 2021, roughly just right after COVID, um, in Washington, you could harvest one per season and they're all found out there. It's a sea duck. They're all found out in the coast and the sounds. Um, but up and yeah, so up until roughly it was 2021 or 2022, I think it was 21 that, um, you could harvest one, but recently it just been closed down throughout the state. Um, and since I sit on the Washington Waterfowl Advisory Group, there's a lot of these discussions. If we'll ever get that back, are we ever going to see Harlequin season again, or if that's going to be closed? Because it is a bird that is not super well researched, and there's not like numbers like you're going to see like snow geese to be able to like really research and follow. Um, one of the mm-hmm. interesting things about that bird I learned is more or less they migrate east and west versus north and south so they're wintering grounds out here in washington and that's when they do a lot of these counts but midsummer and spring they're going back to like glacier in montana and all these like river streams um so it's very hard to count them when they're like up in the mountains and all these different streams and so i think that's where a lot of the hard part is when we're doing these counts and whatnot to get an accurate number Um, but the way I understand it is, um, since COVID happened, people have gotten very good at hunting them per se. There's a lot more time that people have been spending in the outdoors. And so what happened when COVID happened is you see, there was a lot more folks, especially non-residents coming to Washington to harvest this trophy bird. And so the Mm. harvest rates went up quite a bit over that 5% threshold, I think is what it was, which kind of was a red flag and made the agency want to shut it down so we can get accurate number and counts and figure out what's going on with this. And so that's kind of what we're working through right now is um, there's been a couple proposals to introduce kind of a limited entry or user entry system, like a tag system Mm -hmm. um, about a certain number each year, um, because it is something that um, I think, is a kind of a public resource and would like people to be involved with and be able to harvest that. Like I did the last year at close because it is a beautiful bird, like I said, and just to be out there and hunting sea ducks and that whole environment, it's just something totally different. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't experienced anything like that. It is, it is really neat, but 
You can still ah. shoot them in Alaska. I think you can shoot like six in Alaska. Um, don't quote me on that, but you can shoot quite a few up there. Um, but between yeah. that state and kind of us, or used to be us, I think those are the only two states you could shoot them. Hmm. Have you so ever- is it? Go ahead. Is it still in the UWC? What's UWC? The Ultimate Waterfall Challenge. It's like the 41 oh, species of yeah, waterfall yeah. in North America. I I think it is. Um, I have oh I have the yeah the Hunt 41 list on my phone. Um, I'm pretty sure it was on there that I crossed it off. So I think it is because you can still shoot that in Alaska. Sure. Okay. So it's it's not it's not okay. So I hear you saying so it's not just Washington. Or it's not a Washington, Alaska. It's just Washington right now. Just Alaska yep, right now. Yep. Yeah, only you can only hunt them in Alaska. Yeah, okay, correct. Interesting. Is that the one? Huh. Were they? Were you able to shoot them in Montana, like legally, not too long ago? Do you know? I don't know about that. I don't think so. Um, that'd be weird because a lot of their wintering grounds and when they're traveling um, for hunting season, it seems like they're out of Montana, or that's kind of okay. my knowledge or what I've read. They're just there more or less in the summertime. Okay, but, I was our I mean, friend Blake him. was uh, asking. I I can't remember what duck it was. He was yeah. trying to get me to get get lined up to get him in Western Montana to hunt it. So I'd, when you'd mentioned that they were in Montana, I didn't know if that was it or not. So I don't remember which yeah which bird it was. Just like any bird, like I know guys that have shot some brant in the wheat fields over here, or we shot <laughs> a scoter up north by Canada on the Columbia this year that uh, was with some coots it was a weird deal but um yeah every once in a while you get that random bird that just gets off the flyway and get lost so this possibility well, i saw a video of some dudes that were hunting and they were up in the mountains for in montana right and like they were elk hunting or whatever sheep hunting up in the mountains and they found a coot way up up in the snow just by itself oh, really? so they do end up in oh. some weird spots yeah he's lost so i googled it and so there's no harlequin in montana no harlequin in idaho and it's what you're saying too, Connor, of it's like tentative in Washington. So right now the only place mm-hmm. is Alaska. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it shows it on the list. I looked that up too. It's still on the waterfowl list. So okay. one of the ones you got to knock cool. out when you're up there. Have you gone? Yeah. Did you say you go? Yeah. Have you yeah, gone I and hunted the West Coast here. too? Or East Coast? My bad. Yeah. we. I'll bounce over there every once in a while to the West coast. Um, I've never been to the East coast. I took my first trip down to Arkansas this year and that's the farthest East I've ever been in my life, honestly, um, which is a <laughs> whole different world of hunting down there in the flooded timber. But I'll bounce over to the West coast uh, once or twice a season, hang out with some buddies and just shoot a different type of sea duck or um, dabbling duck over there. Um, Cause that's where you get a lot of the widgeon and stuff too which we will get over in Spokane in that area, but not like the numbers you see in some of these other areas in Washington. Mm-hmm. If you had been to the East coast, I was going to make you compare the two, but I guess you got out of that pop quiz. Yeah, no, I, it is something I want to do each year. I've been kind of like putting together. I have two kind of travel hunts and where do I want to go and cross off some bucket list things. And so that is one shooting some like eiders over there i think would be a lot of fun or even brant on the coast over there would be a ton of fun too so it is in the forecast but just when not sure yeah 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 the so i would say comparatively in i wouldn't have known this unless i went to the east coast myself but not all the east coast is the same so i'm from like a flatlander north dakota so i assumed it was all just open ocean but maine was very much like channels and we were like hunting ledges so we'd be on like islands and it was just like rock hard like everything was just huge boulders and then huge like evergreen like coniferous forest on these islands like you couldn't put another evergreen tree on the rocks and then we were just past shooting eiders as they were going through like all the crab traps and all that and then we had our stringer of eider decoys and uh it was cold it's like cold cold up there um Cool. New Jersey. Is that like wing eiders? Is that what you're shooting? What common eiders were they? Common, okay. Yeah, common eider. Yeah. So funny enough, this this is a good story. But I had a buddy who we were shooting, or me and him went out there, and we did trade hunts, kind of like you were talking earlier, where we have we would have guys come from Maine to shoot snows with us, and then we'd go shoot eiders with them. And mm-hmm. uh, the first day, it's like 
freezing cold. It's like negative four, and we're out there, like, on this ocean. It's so cold. And the first, like, group comes through, and there's, like, a, a bull right up front. And so I'm like, bam, bam, I miss, I miss. I shoot the third time, and I, like, totally roll a hen. And he shoots oh. one time and hits the drake or hits the bull. And he looks at me, and he's like, welcome to the show. And, uh, <laughs> like, more or less claiming, like, he shot the bull. And they send this dog out there and come back, and here the hen was banded. And I was nice. like look at me now look at me now <laughs> yeah did you say like you saw it hanging off the foot flying or no no he knew i didn't because i put my face down i was like damn it <laughs> oh that's funny that's cool no, though that's really cool they were saying that it's super super hard to get a, a bull banded because they spend all their time in the water so when the hens when they band them is when they're nested so it's really the only time they can get them and i was like that actually makes a lot of like logical sense but yeah, so they, did, they did either Maine. have to ban the bulls when they were young and hope they made it that yeah. long or yeah, not mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. I mean, well, and then kind of what Connor was saying too, it, it, they may not be able to when they do their banning because I don't know the whole process out there, but the they may be too young or maybe the moment when they're able to hatch out and swim, they just go right back on the ocean. So I guess I don't really know, but huh. yeah, it's, it's different. And then New Jersey, like sea ducks, like that's a whole different type of like banding. You'd have to get them when they're nesting because you're not really getting them in the big groups and with the net cannons and on your local Mm -hmm. pond or whatnot. So that would be interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. Here, that's someone we have to figure out who we can get on here. Someone that's banded sea ducks. Yeah. Mike might know, but. But yeah, then, uh, so New Jersey, that was Brant, and that was like salt marsh. So that, to me, was just like, I don't know. It, it, it was no different than like a slough here in like North Dakota, but it was salt water. Uh, mm-hmm. But you can correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it st- statistically the highest, or like, st- statistically speaking, it's the highest banded bird, like per like, hunter right. or something like that? Yeah, I think yeah. you're right, because usually... We, we've never been a part of a hunt where we shot one, but um, usually that is a very regulated, um, like there are game wardens always watching you from the inlets or they're out on boats. We usually always get checked in Brant season, um, but then they're always reporting and taking the measurements and everything when you bring your birds back. And usually we talk to them, oh, has anybody shot any banded or tarsal bands or anything? And usually there's quite a few that have been shot throughout the day um, because they're only in Washington like three days. Um, that you can hunt them in January. So, um, yeah, I would say I would love to shoot a banded one, but uh, I, I haven't got to see one yet, too. But that is, it seems like every pile pick or anywhere I see, there's at least one one banded brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard, too. And, I mean, everyone watches social media, and we were actually just talking about Heinz earlier, but, like, when he went out there and then he shot that geotarsal or someone shot a geotarsal that he was part of the group, and... Yeah, that's that's when it also hit home. I'm like, dang, like there must be a lot of them out there. Because after I saw his, it's like I saw him all the time. But no, so yeah, I have a too that goes down to Mexico, and they shoot them up down in Mexico. I, th- I guess that's a thing too. I know a couple folks that have gone down there. I'm not exactly sure where they go, but they're they're right? shooting tons of tarsal bands and those like big colorful ones, and yeah, it's nuts. You gotta go to Tijuana. <laughs> figure out where joe joe heinz goes on all of his mexican vacations and join him down there yeah no kidding huh no i didn't know that that's that's fascinating i didn't even know they went that far south to be honest hmm. birds are birds they just go yeah, i had a buddy that I was with here and around central washington and he shot a couple snows this year um same hunt he shot two snows and one i think was banded in Russia and one nine-year-old bird and the other one's seven-year-old and somewhere in the upper territories or something. So they did some traveling too. Dang. That's wild to me. That is so cool. Huh? Hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, I guess the last place I went on the East coast, that was Maryland and that was straight open ocean, but that was all scoter though. That was, we didn't have any eider. It was common scoter, mm-hmm. white wing, and then, uh, surf. Yeah, but did you do layout oh, boats and, there? Uh, yeah, that's what yeah, I thought. We did, we did layout layout boats. 
so I lied. There was squat or sorry, long tail, and then uh, greater bluebill. Now you're trying to be too polit- politically correct. Yeah, honestly, I didn't even mean to say it. I just I don't know. It came out, but whoops. <laughs> How did I guess I might have missed that part when I was freaking out over not recording? Did uh. You say how you guys hunt them out there on your west coast? Like, are you just hanging off the shore? Or are they in inland? Or are you out there on a boat or what? The way I've been a part of hunting them, and I am not a sea ducker at heart. I'll be the first to tell you that. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different type of species of hunter. Like, yeah. you have your dry landers, which I would probably consider myself, but then you have your actual sea duckers that are out there battling the surf every day. Um, and they, they'd really be able to tell you how they hunt it, but it seems like during the year, it's kind of like your migration when the long tails or the squaws are in, or you got your brant in or like the Harlequin or whatnot. And so the way we hunted them is we are out, out, out of the bay, probably in like 20, 30 feet of water. So we could still set our long lines. Um, and that's, they all kind of roosted way out deep. And then it seemed like they'd come back in to feed. And so we had a depth finder on the boat and could kind of see where they're targeting. And so then we'd set out either some long lines um, from the boat and just hunt out of the boat. Um, or we would have like a raft system that we'd hang off the boat or go set out 30 yards away or something. And um, they just sound so funny. They just do this little bop, bop. And you can hear them from a long ways and you know, and we have the binos in the boat. Like you can see their long tail pointing up. And uh, so it's different. Like if you're, you got to target them. And for that's been my experience is if we want to go after long tails, you set out a long tail spread um, versus where you, if you want to shoot a scoter, you can set out any decoy you want. Like they're going to yeah. the surf scoters over there. Are dumb. So they come in and my buddies that hunt out there and live over there, they're they don't even shoot them anymore they're like these things we shoot them all the time and i think they're a beautiful bird so i'm like heck i'm gonna shoot one if they comes in yeah the the beaks are so cool though but yeah what we did with the surfs is we would we would just look and see where they were all rafted up and then we just go kick them up yeah yeah and then just set up right there (laughs) nice black bird too i mean you can see him from a long ways and seems like yeah the surfs get in like almost like a gaggle of coots like they just Mm-hmm. make this max and then yeah just go out there and set up close to them or where they're flying back and forth from and yeah those things it seems like they're pretty easy and there's all the crabbing boats and the big boats going out there too so you don't even necessarily need a layout like they're used to being by some of these bigger boats so um towards the end of season you can see they start getting a little skittish coming by the big boats but um so that's where a layout would be beneficial but those are like fourteen hundred dollars themselves too so you gotta have some money if you want to yeah, I don't know too many guys that have a goose spread and a sea duck spread. Let's just say one yeah. or the other. That's yeah. That's not something either where I would want to cheap out on, especially in thirty foot of ocean water. Is a layout boat, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'd I'd get the cream of the crop to be honest. I was gonna do it every day too. Or just yeah, a regular size bigger boat to get out there, um, over twenty foot, twenty four foot long. Um, cause mm-hmm. I got my first taste of a little bit of a smaller boat, still mid-sized boat. But when we were coming back, um, there was a tsunami warning or something. Um, it wasn't really going to hit Washington. I think it was more the California and Hawaii. Um, but we mm-hmm. were getting alerts on our phone and, uh, it created it and it created some waves and just, and some of that could have been just from the local storms and whatnot, but, mm-hmm. um, at some of those waves they look small from shore but when you get out in some of that stuff they're like six feet to 10 20 and that can capsize the boat real quick so my butt got yeah. puckered a little bit coming back in from that hunt and my buddy's like don't worry about it we do this all the time and i'm like gripping the boat like white knuckling i'm like holy shit like yeah the life dude seriously you didn't get seasick though no no never got seasick one guy did um he, he did not like the rock of the waves, but, um, I was, I was good. Yeah, I was good. Yeah. Maryland. I did a little bit. So I was in the Tinder. I was fine. I got in the layout. I was fine. And got back in the Tinder. The moment I got back in that Tinder, I wouldn't admit it, but I like, I could not even see straight. I was like holding the bow and I just felt like oh, my whole body was, yeah, it was gross, but luckily it was the last day too. So I went home after that, but yeah. Ugh. 
It might have just been, I think, there was, we had birds all over us all day. And so it was a cool, cool spot. We, I think I was just, my mind was off of it. I had so much adrenaline in me that I didn't even think about it until we got back to land. And then you can tell, like, you get your sea legs and you're like, holy cow, like, nothing's moving anymore. Like, wow, we've been out there for eight hours. Damn. Well, just just oh. being on the Missouri River fish when I was a kid, that's what it would be like. You'd be out there for like six or eight hours for a day and then get back and you go to stand in the shower and you're just swaying like that. I couldn't imagine being on the ocean be double as bad. Yeah, we tend to I, – I don't like deep ocean. I've never done any like deep sea fishing trips or anything. Just like deep ocean in general freaks me out. So we're always fairly just a, not even a mile or two offshore. If we go out deep, close enough where I can see it. There been sometimes you get, you're in the main vein of like these big barges are coming through to go to port or whatever. And I'm like, holy cow, I don't want to go out there. Like <laughs> I'm fine right here. Yeah. It's, it's a different game. So then you said you're a dry lander, lander at heart, right? Yep. Yeah. Sure. So then just, have you, have you, have you dabbled much with – I have to ask because it's February 1st. The snows are open in Arkansas. Have you dabbled much with snows? I don't have a snow spread. I don't own a single snow goose decoy. Um, I have a couple buddies more so in central Washington that chase them and have the setup. And just hearing them kind of bitch and complain that they have – actually, this year too, my buddy texted me. He said, hey, you need to come over tomorrow. We have 10,000 in the field and show up the next day and they just decide they want a different field that day and we saw hundreds and thousands of snow geese but they just decided to go somewhere different and we set out over there at 4 a.m i think i left here at like 2 a.m so those are just long days and so i just decided like i'm not gonna be a snow goose hunter <laughs> it sucks like it when you, i've been a part of a few cool spins and get to see that firsthand i understand why some of these guys do it and chase it but man i don't think i was built for that like that's a whole different Dude, ball game props to all the guys that chase the snows each year but i'll admit it the so okay how i see it is like the like you, you said it pretty good where the sea duck hunters they got a little nerve in them right they're pretty hardcore they're going after it the dry landers, they're like, hey, like this is a, a passion of mine. I love it. The little geese guys, like lessers, and then especially snow geese, those are the dudes that are crazy. So, we got a cake. That's what I like. It is easy. You don't have to set up big spread. I mean, most of the time, it's four or five dozen decoys, and that's it. <laughs> like, and a lot of the fields, very fortunate to have grown up here my whole life. And being involved in the ag program and out and around that most mm -hmm. of our fields are within 15, 20 minutes. And so I don't have to get up at the ass crack of dawn to go battle on uh -huh. a public field. So it, it is nice. It is definitely a lazy man hunting that I was joking to my buddy this season that most of the stuff we do is just dry land farming or dry land hunting. And so I don't do a lot of water hunts. If there's not a lot of ducks or I'm feeling I want to go to the river and my buddy's got something lined up, we'll go to the river, but 90% of what we do is just dry land. And so we'll still shoot ducks and stuff that come in in the goose spread. But um, my buddy, I made a joke. We, it got muddy towards the end of this year. We weren't able to drive out in the field and we had to walk maybe 200 yards. And I'm like, this is bullshit. Like what the hell? And my buddy's like, are you kidding me? And uh, I remember back in high school when me and my best friend, we would walk probably like half a mile back to this pond to shoot two teal and that we had not scouted and just hope they show up and so it is funny we talk about we used to do that and now it's just like pampered hunting really is what it is mm -hmm. that's funny i so full disclosure i'm somebody where garrett can attest i've i've snow goose hunted a lot and like snow geese are my favorite so i'm one of the crazies but we cool. one of the dumbest things I've ever done was we had the great idea of like, we're going to try to shoot the adults early, like those first pushing adults that are coming into the Dakotas. So we rented a trash pump for like $150 a day. We rented it for two weeks, tried to blow open a pond, like a 10 acre pond. It took like a week to blow it open. And by the time it blew open, all the geese were there and they were like sitting in the sheet water. So it was seriously useless. We hauled out like 700 decoys, like 150 floaters. I felt so stupid, and then we just end up jump shooting them anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Some of those jump shoots look like a lot of fun, though. I've seen on YouTube, like, they pull up and jump shoot and 200 birds fall. I mean, that's some redneck stuff that, hey, I would love to be a part of, too. I'm not going to pass well, on a jump shoot like that. The thing with the jump shooting is, like, if you're just going to jump shoot all season, we just know we're killing geese for jump shooting. But if you go, like, the first year that I tried snow goose hunting, I don't know how many hunts we went on, we got our dicks kicked in by the snow geese. And then finally, I think Blake mm-hmm. said, we're going to jump these geese. And we jumped, and I think we dropped, like, 50 or 60 out of the pile. I was like, yeah, yeah. That, that, that. It was kind of like redemption almost, it felt like. Like, yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but it was more like a fuck yeah, you to the geese. We finally got you. Oh, yeah. It's it's the same. I almost like, because a jump shoot to me is like, it's awesome in the moment and it's great. And then you're like, oh, it's over. Like, it's kind of like big game hunting up here. And I, some of the guys up here that I work with or know that are like not waterfowlers, like, why do you do it? Like, why wouldn't you rather go shoot an elk or a deer? I'm like, because you shoot it and basically the hunt's over. Like, I get to go all season. I get to go out. And it's usually if you're on the X or somewhere good that they're just trickling out all morning. You could be out there shooting all morning and having a good time. And so it's not something that just ends. You get your tag and you're done with it. So I think that's what really caught the attention to me. It's just we're going for months at a time, and I love it. It's just something mm-hmm. something about landing some honkers at your feet. That That's my favorite thing is if we can get them and they're committed to come down and land, like then you know that's the ultimate trick. Like you tricked them. You're, you looked good. Your hide was good. And. So it all adds up some days and some days it doesn't matter what you do. They're going to give you the middle finger and just keep going. But uh, yeah. Yeah. A Canada goose. So I think the Canada goose is so fun to hunt too. So it's a, it's a different type of excitement in a way, Mm -hmm. but I like them because they're so vocal and they are, um, they're so susceptible to calling when you're a good caller. That's like my favorite part too, is like, especially if you're hunting migrators or like the kind of saying those picky Fox and then mm-hmm. hitting those notes and actually kind of drawing them in and then kind of figuring what they're out, figuring them out for that day and then getting them to actually come in and, and uh, commit. Like you're saying, that's like a whole different feeling than uh, I would say just like finishing, like maybe the first group in the morning too. But yeah, I, I big honkers. They have a big special place in my heart too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is something that, I work on or try to every year, especially with Trevor and the Pacific Calls guys here. Uh, they used to be in Spokane. Now they just bounced over to Post Falls. But I'm always over there and trying to get tips and tricks from those guys because they're really good callers and they're in the shop blowing every day. And so um, I work on that. I'm not the best, not any competition caller by any means. But um, there's been a few times that we've seen some birds. And it's just a different, like, you can see how they're acting. And over the years, I've started to be able to read a little bit more or think I can and uh, to rip on a call and then have them turn where it looked like they were going away. It's just, that's a really cool feeling to be like, Hey, like I talked them probably into the spread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes me a lot more ballsy too. when I hunt, cause it's like, if I can't get the X, I still might go. Cause I might get, do something right. But yeah, no, that's cool. So then uh, what, do you have any aspirations to like, so I'm somebody where I do want to complete the, the 41. I got nine left. So I've yeah. had nine left though for the last three years, <laughs> but do you have any aspirations to try to do all 41? Uh, I think I will say this. It's like not on, like, I don't want to have to do it in the next few years. I would like to do it over a span of the next 10, 20 years to be able to go and travel and do these things. I'm not in a rush per se, I guess it'd be cool to do yeah. that. I want to go experiences, um, different parts of the world and nation and go see, um, me and a couple of buddies are actually going to Argentina coming up in May. So I'm super stoked for that just to be able, I've never hunted out of the country. So that's going to be a whole different ball game, but, um, just really for me, just to be able to meet more people, get out, go to these functions or shows or, um, I got to meet yeah. some of the guys from Migra down in Arkansas um, when I went down there in December and just see how they hunt down there and, and create some of those lifelong friends that hopefully we'll be able to, yeah, bounce back and forth and trade hunts. And a few of those guys were talking, they don't shoot turkeys and that's a whole different thing too, but we have hella turkeys up here. So I was like, yeah, if you want to come shoot a turkey, great. I'll put you on as many turkeys as you want up here. So it is something that I just enjoy. I am more of a people person that I've learned over the last few years and just learning and just seeing how other people do it has been kind of the thing I enjoy most, especially with Delta too. 
Yeah. You're, I think, because Argentina, I'm looking right now, you can shoot your whistlers there though, there, though, can't you? I honestly don't even know. We're going to shoot doves and ducks, so it's a little bit of both. Um, but uh, I kind of looked up some pictures and different things they down there. I couldn't name any of them. It's just, yeah, I'm excited for the experience. This, this, this is me This is me Googling just as we're talking, so I have no idea yeah. how legit this is, but it's saying the cinnamon's down there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is um, a thing or one of the things they're known for down there. A lot of teal. Teal, build pintail. Yeah, yeah, dude, there's some of these I have no idea what they are either. Oh, I was going to say, it sucks that it takes like a full day. We have a whole day of traveling plus some just to get down there. So getting down there and coming back is going to suck. But uh, yeah. hopefully it's a unique experience. Fly Delta. Fly Delta. Yeah, maybe you'll Fly get a discount. Yeah, yeah. Do the name like, hey, here's my card. I'm a Delta member. Not with the airline. Not only a member, a chapter leader. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Part of that, um, we're so stupid. Eddie Salt, literally his profile picture is him holding a duck that he banded. Remember that? Put a geo tracker on and everything. Sea duck? Talking to me? Yeah. Eddie Salt from Duck Season. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. We know a dude. But anyways, he, he got me lined oh, up with yeah, another dude. Duh. But, yeah. Yeah, true, okay. Just to call back to I that. Think, so, there you go, guys, listen. That's probably going to be a future episode now after that quick little thing. And then... Uh, yeah, Eddie Salt. Wow. Yeah. We were, that went, we were that went way over my head. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways. I was, like, thinking, I'm like, I don't know any Eddie. I don't think, like... Well, check out duckseason.com, D-U-K-S-Z-N.com, and you can go on there and you can trade hunts from around the country. Put in your info, your email, yeah. what you hunt in your area, and then you search around for other people what they hunt like if you're looking to shoot black ducks if you're looking to shoot stuff over there on the east coast find somebody that does it ask them if they want to trade hunt for what you got in their area quick little plug that is something cool that i've, I've never done a site like that but i will say some of my best friends have been like they're just social media just reached out and actually when i shot that harlequin a guy just never met him before we followed each other on instagram i think and he reached out and just said, hey, I've never hunted geese over here. You've probably never hunted sea ducks. Do you want to just trade a hunt? And, I mean, we're best friends. We text each other almost every day. So it is something that our generation now kind of has and kind of can use as a tool, whether you really like it or not. There's a lot of opinions on some of that stuff. But um, it is something that I've used to benefit not only me, but create so many different friendships over the years, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, especially if you have access to like, a good state, like Washington sounds like it is, it, you know, mm-hmm. and if you're willing to travel around and do some legwork, I mean, yeah, why not? I think all three of us have all done trade hunts. So I, I've definitely benefited, benefited from doing them too. It's they're awesome. Yeah. Most of my trade yeah. hunts have been for big game though. I don't know if I've ever really done a trade hunt for waterfowl, but really, yeah, That's awesome. I mean, yeah, nobody's come game. up here to hunt anything with me is a thing. Nobody wants to come up this far. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm on the prairie. Mule deer or elk hunts? Well, see, that's that's the thing, big game. Well, I mean, like, traded hunts. I mean, like, hey, pretty much I haven't been to your area. You haven't been to my area. You help me out while I'm yeah. over there. I'll help you out when you're over here type of thing. So, gotcha. Cool. Yeah. And, it, I mean, it's like, no, it wasn't even in different states. It was just other sides of this state. Of course, Montana is bigger than every state but two, two or three. Texas, Alaska, and California. Mm-hmm. So... There's a, there's a long ways in between, so it's pretty much traded hunt. But anyways, off my big game traded hunt. You, uh, I guess, Drew, you got any more questions on where we were at before I start going off my list? No, I could talk to this dude forever, but what do you got? <laughs> <laughs> Roll back to the banding thing at some point and bring it in organically. Um, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. The, uh, so we haven't really talked about you being on the Waterfowl Advisory Committee or whatever it is. We talked about Delta. What do you do on that? And then, like, I guess, what does Waterfowl Advisory Committee do? Just start there. Yeah, so the WAG Waterfowl Advisory Group, we're uh, made up of 20 different hunters um, kind of throughout the state, 10 from eastern Washington and then 10 from western. Um, and really, we act as liaisons to the department and the, the Wildlife Council to kind of 
um, give recommendations for regulations, um, how we want to use like the duck stamp money in our state, um, things of that nature and conservation. And so um, really we represent the waterfowl um, um, community. We're just volunteers, don't get paid for this. And we have um, kind of monthly meetings here and there. Um, I've only been involved with it since August, so still fairly new and learning a lot of stuff, but um, there are topics that have been coming up and things that have, are addressed, and it's been very interesting to be a part of to see kind of the framework of how seasons get set, um, because here in Washington, we have like a 107-day, I think, season, and that's like federally uh, mandated in the Pacific flyway and then per flyway, some of them are like 60 or 45. And so there are certain things that I learned that like to change, like a lot of people in Washington argue that we, we can't use electronics, like any mojo decoy or anything of that nature, which honestly, in my opinion is great. I love it. Don't eat it. We kill enough ducks and the guys that want to go the extra mile to use like a pole, string or a rig system props to them like they're putting the extra effort they should be able to shoot more ducks so it, it really is how much effort you want to put into it but once i think and this is my opinion there's a, a lot of folks that are on the total opposite side of this that could argue a whole different way but once you allow everybody to use electronics everybody's going to have two mojos in their truck and ducks are going to see that every time they fly over washington so that's another thing that gets talked about and brought up um, that just learning about some of the issues and topics that people want changed or um, the wildlife committee. That's a whole different thing here in Washington that there's been a lot of changes, not necessarily in the waterfowl world, but like the wildlife, um, like spring bear, we just lost the, the right to do that um, this last or two years ago. So we don't have a spring bear season, which threw a lot of folks up in arms about that. And uh, with the wolves here in Washington and some of these other big game species and carnivores like cougars, um, a lot of different topics and a lot of changes that um, are more or less ran by folks that to me don't really have a background in some of that stuff. And so part of my job is to work with um, the department, Fish and Wildlife um, and our waterfowl specialist, Kyle Spragans, great dude, very knowledgeable um, on all the framework in Washington and just provide the best evidence and provide kind of feedback in the waterfowl world to help guide some of this stuff in Washington. Thank you for your service. Holy, <laughs> that's legit. That's crazy. Huh? Paul, cause politics are hard. I mean, I, I deal with politics in a corporate setting, but you're like representing the people too. And that's wow. Huh? Yeah, it is something that really the only thing that I can think of that got changed within the last couple of years or so is like Harlequin season got shut down. And um, that threw a lot of people up in arms and um, a lot of people like to see that closed too. And so um, it can be a touchy subject when it comes to setting regulations or change just in general. And so to be able to represent and be a waterfowl hunter myself um, and kind of see how things work just from a hunter and standpoint and give those recommendations um, is yeah. Waves length in itself. So. Hmm. What do you, so we didn't even ask this, what do you do for a full-time job then? Uh, so I work for a department of natural resources. I'm the natural areas manager here in Eastern Washington. So I oversee on our state lands, all of our kind of at risk wildlife and plant communities um, kind of a new position for me. I've only been there with the DNR for a few years now. Um, and then when fire season kind of roams around to um, a type one wildland firefighter. So summertime is really when I get super busy, um, but it works out great because kind of our slow season or our feed field season is in the fall. So we do a lot of working from the computer grant writing and stuff like that, which allows me to get out and hunt a little bit more, which is great. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you're kind of enthralled in all of it, in all aspects of just the wildlife and just Washington and all of its state lands, too. So that's pretty cool. That's kind of what my dad does, too. A lot of just monitoring the state lands, writing grants, everything. So, mm -hmm. hmm. How'd you end yeah, up in it? Did you uh, go to school for it? 
Yeah, I went to Colorado State and for my undergrad and studied fish and wildlife conservation biology down there. Um, and then from there, I worked for DNR for a season and then left and to another conservation district and then just recently came back within the last two years. And so I bounced around a little bit, but um, DNR in Washington is a little bit different where they don't handle really any of the wildlife stuff or um, we have kind of a warden that just manages our DNR public lands. But um, the Department of Fish and Wildlife is really um, the ones that manage all of our wildlife more or less in Washington. And um, that's where you have your official game wardens and uh, um, they set all the licenses and all the regulations. So um, a little different from different states where I think DNR does a lot of that in their states too. Sure, I gotcha. What, I guess, so since you're deeper than DNR and you're all bird nerd and whatnot like this, you're kind of like uh, Nick Johnson, but not in the center of the country, it sounds like. Um, what are, uh, what do you see in migration-wise the last couple years as things have kind of shifted? It seems like everything's been hotter and then increased hunting mm -hmm. pressure because of the corona and everything. Have you seen like migration different and bird numbers different or has it been like a steady trend and we're all being dramatic? Yeah, it seems like, so I haven't really been a hardcore hunter for that long. Um, I would say probably only four years. I've really got into the use games or since I left college. Um, but since just I've been hunting, um, it seems like this year in particular has been very weird with the weather. Um, just, it was warm off the get go. We didn't really have a lot of birds coming from Canada and then all of a sudden it got cold like that really quick. And so that sent influx of birds to us. Um, and then it got cold for a long period of time, which I think kind of sent them on. So um, there was a point in the season, even talking to Trevor and the Pacific Calls guys, because we're local and we hunt together sometimes that some weekends were just stale. There was no real new birds around and the birds that were around were loaded up in some fields that weren't able to be hunted. So, um, just since I've been kind of a hunter this year in particular has been very weird. Um, but kind of mm -hmm. where I'm at too, we don't get to see like the main vein is what I call it of the Pacific flyway. They kind of like switch your snow geese and specks. They kind of like skirt on each side of us. It's kind of weird. Um, but, uh, there's quite a few, once you go to central Washington, tri cities, Moses Lake area, um, I think they're having quite a few birds showing up now or just gone through. So that's more or less where a lot of our birds go through. And that's where a lot of guides are too. Um, not as many over here just because we don't have a ton of birds in our area. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. That we kind of said too, like how they skirt, you know, so they're, they obviously go through your flyway, but it's like they have their own like internal like GPS or internal compass uh we, we coined the term corridors. I have no idea mm -hmm. if that's even a thing, but it's crazy where like, I'll just, for example, like we'll say like highway three, right? It always seems like highway three right next to Abstraca, they always hit right there. And then you, from there, like the corridor starts and it's almost like there's like a hard stop and, you know, we'll have some landmark that we reference for it, but then mm -hmm. like you'll be a mile off of that like corridor and it's nothing like you won't see a snow, you know, you'll, you'll get like residuals, but nothing like what, what that corridor holds. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's crazy how they're designed and how they're wired. And like, I don't know, I, I'm fast. I would love to learn no more, but I guess I don't on how that works or how that plays in. But yeah, that's a good term. I like, I haven't ever really used that term, but that's exactly how I would describe it here is they kind of have their own corridors, which they go down, which I, it was all a part of the Pacific flyway, but yeah, like within that, there are definitely, there's definitely routes that they follow each year. And, sure. and it, it is like year after year too. Like there's, I think that last year that we went out during the uh, bird flu, we were trying to kind of find new areas because all the birds we were seeing were bird flued up. So like we went down into South Dakota and West norm normally where we go the one day, and I put a lot of miles on my truck. That was the year that Drew can go along. We put a lot of miles on, and we got out of those corridors, and it was same as always. It was just completely dead. It wasn't even worth it, but it was just kind of like a last-ditch effort to find birds that weren't already dying in a sheet water field somewhere. So, yeah, 
No, this this year, I mean, I wish like we had one more month to hunt because it got cold. We got an influx of birds, then it warmed up again, and all the fields out here are flooded and whatnot. There's geese everywhere, and there's ducks out in the fields. And so right now is the win. I wish we would be hunting, but it's just the way the year went. It sounded like it wasn't just us, but kind of all over. I feel bad for some of those southern guys that hardly got any birds before yeah. the season was over. So. Hmm. So when, when did your season go out? When did you guys finish? We end, we care, are not allowed to go any later than uh, January 31st for your regular season. That's in the federal framework, I believe. Um, and then our kind of conservation snow goose season, which is fairly still new to us. I think it's only been around for two or three seasons. I think it starts mid to late February. Um, and that runs for a few weeks into March and then that's it. So regular season, everything's done. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice. It seems like we can hunt a long time because our season usually starts mid October, same day as deer season. And then it goes all the way through the end of January, but got to think we can only hunt geese Saturday, Sundays and Wednesdays. So in certain yeah. holidays. Yeah. So it's, it's way less than what you actually think. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. That's, and you guys go for pretty long too, but it's, it's a total different climate, even though we're, we might be in the same like latitude, it's a total different climate and total different game, but hmm. yeah. what, uh, yep. what's on the horizon then for next year? Well, next year coming up, I talked about already here or this coming season, um, May, I'll be going down to Argentina with a couple of my good buddies. Um, yep. we'll be going down there for ducks and doves and then, um, we'll be going back. I went and got a very fortunate. I was able to tag along on a trip to go to Canada this past season. And since that trip, um, making it in, annual thing so we're going back to canada actually on my birthday in september uh, me and a my best friends so those are kind of the two trips i have on the books right now for next season it could get longer we'll see but um i try not to do more than that just because the pocketbook i want to start saving for some other things and buy some property in a house and need to start settling down some of this other stuff but uh i mean yeah, Canada's. If you haven't been to Canada, that's a whole different world up there. I swear, yeah. it's like Disneyland, and the amount of birds and we saw up there in fields. It's just incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, I. I wish I went to Canada every year. I've only been to Canada twice, and it is. It's like the it's, it's like the Wild West for yeah. the waterfall hunter. It is crazy, and it's crazy good, and. We've had like extremely good uh, luck with getting permission up there too. Uh, yeah. I know a lot of people. They're saying like, "Oh, you know, like you can't go, you can't get permission, yada yada yada." I don't know where we were hunting. Maybe we just found a little like gold gem, but we were yeah. It didn't really matter who we talked to. They're like, "Yeah, sure," but yeah, that was our experience up there too um, when we went up there because we did a little bit of freelancing and a little bit with um, one of the gentlemen up there that was starting kind of his guide service up there. Mm -hmm. um, so more or less too, we helped him. We were knocking on doors and creating some of those relationships. And uh, I don't think, yeah, we ever really got to know when we're up there either. It's just, they're like, yeah, you want to shoot birds? Like, go ahead. Like, what the hell? Like, Yeah. <laughs> Let me swath the weed field quick and you can go take it. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, but it was just field after field too up there. It was just incredible to see because – we'd pass by a field that had like 5k in it and uh, we'd be like, all right, we're going to go knock on that door. He's like, nah, we'll keep driving. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like down here, like if we see three specks fly over the field, we're going to be in it tomorrow. <laughs> like, yeah. It is no kidding. Even though we touch, like for us, it's to come across the border. It's probably like three hour drive to get up to the border from where I'm at. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's just, two different two different worlds up there it's incredible and the water up there i can see why they like it it's just eastern washington we are very dry like that is one thing that i think folks think of when they think of washington is this very wet gloomy climate which we will get those days here and there but eastern and western washington is very different it's almost two different states we're divided by the cascades and um come mm. summer i mean um, you talk about fire season. I mean, it just gets drier than dry up here. And so, and that really can affect our birds too. If there's no ponds and no areas for them to breed at, they're not going to be around start of the season. And so I, 
I, we used to jump some ponds back in the day that the last few seasons haven't even filled up or been a thing until we get some moisture. So this has uh, been a very weird year. We should have snow right now and it's 40, 50 degrees out here right now, which is incredible. Yeah. I think that's what we're all saying too. Even where I'm at, it's, 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 it's very warm. <laughs> But it's nice. That's where I really make my money and my overtime during the summer when I work seven days a week in long shifts. But um, it's uh, yeah, a bit of a grind and can be dangerous. And this last year that I know a few folks that lost some of their residences and one of the fires came. One of the larger ones came within a few blocks of my place. So while I was fighting it, I also had to come back and evacuate and then also get back and fight it. So um, this last year was very weird. Um, and the way the climate's going this year we don't have a wet spring it's going to be pretty drastic again so we'll we'll yeah. see what happens yeah we need some rain too because yeah it sets the fire i mean i've thought about it but like i can't control the weather what is it's the yeah. that saying from uh that 70s show it's like damn, damn jackie, jackie i can't, I can't control, control the weather, the weather. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it just we need the moisture too to set the farmers up and like you're saying too to get that that coat of moisture in the ground for fires and yeah yeah, well, that, yeah, it creates the crops, too, and my buddy, he's bet my best friend out here, he's a farmer full-time, and um, before I really got into the fire gig, I would help him with harvest each year, and so some of, and he'd, he'd dog on me a little bit, too, but when I was running tractor or something, i just take, like, a handful of wheat and just toss it out in the field, and he's like, quit wasting that, I need that money, and I'm like, hey, do you want to hunt geese next year, or what? Like, gotta leave some for the birds, but yeah. There's not a lot of wheat. There's not a lot of wheat. You want to make as much money as you can. I get that too. You're like, do you want to pay for a guide or do you want to shoot him right here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, cool. Garrett, you get what else you got? Well, I want to talk about the Arkansas. You said it was completely different, but was that that was your first time down in Arkansas this past year? And I guess why was it completely different? Give it to me who's yeah, dreamed so, about uh, it forever and haven't been able to do it yet. Yeah. Speaking of being very fortunate, I was the one out of, or one of three lucky winners that was selected out of, I think 32,000, um, for the Migra migration hunt giveaway. Um, so I entered this giveaway, just, you see all the time online, just put your name, email in and hope you win. And well, I got the call one day from Mark, the CEO, and he was explaining to me that I won this trip to go down to Straight Lake, which is in pumpkin bend arkansas to go hunt uh the flooded timber down there and at, at first when he called me i hung up on him i was just like this guy's a scammer it's south carolina number i never win anything not even at our own banquets that i put on through delta and so to win the grand poobah of them all he really had to explain it and i don't think it really hit until i got some of the paperwork i had to fill out for it and bought my plane ticket and so that was a whole yeah whole different trip went down there um, flew down there uh, mid-December to go hunt at Straight Lake and just the flooded timber and taking a boat into water that just comes up to your knee basically and just watching mm -hmm. the ducks at first light just come down through the branches and they're dumb there and they can't see so they're breaking branches as they come down they're landing and swimming all around you it's just it's just a sight to see especially in Arkansas or one of those great states that like have that many ducks in it and I got to harvest mm -hmm. my first wood duck too, which was nice. Um, I We get wood ducks up here, but they're kind of few and far between. You kind of got to have your own honey hole or on the river. And so I'd never shot that. And I mentioned it to one of the guys. And they're like, oh, you want to shoot a wood duck? Because they're kind of mallard snobs down there. And he's like, go for it. He's like, if a wood duck comes in, you can sluice it. You can shoot it. I, we are not going to shoot it. So I was like, heck yeah. So first ducks that actually came in, um, one was a Drake wood duck and the guy's like, Connor, shoot that one. That's a Drake. So I shot it and, uh, it's down at the tax thermist in Arkansas right now. So Dude, let's go. one shot. And so, yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited. That was my first one, but the amount of mallards down there and snow geese and we shot some, actually some shovelers and some widgeon. I think we hunted a flooded Milo field the second day. So, um, just a variety down there, but that was, that was really cool. We only set out like a dozen decoys and we're all hiding behind these trees standing. And that was hot. hanging your guns on a hook on the tree and your jackets on a tree. Just, yeah, mm. something you don't, something you don't see up here. That's for sure. 
Yeah, one day, man, one day. I, I want to go so bad. I'm, like, living vicariously through your story. And they, and they just drive an Argo out there, and it's like, no big deal. We're not going to bury it. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah, yeah it, it literally, like, from the lodge, and they do such a good job at managing their property down there. They put some in refuge, and then some it's huntable. Um, but mm-hmm. they also have this rule down there we don't hunt past 9 a.m., So because that's when the majority of ducks are starting to fly. And they do such a good job managing down there that you could shoot a limit every day down there and five that you're only shooting at five percent of the ducks like that are down there and never get to see you. And so if for the other 95% of the ducks, if you're not shooting at them and they're having a good time, they're gonna tell all their buddies to come back here next year and kind of like the the way he explained it, it's like a hotel stay. Like they're gonna rate it five stars and be back each year. And so you, you do a good ma- job managing it and putting some in refuge and giving back that. It's it's gonna be Western each time you go. That's for sure. I don't know if I was staying. I, don't know, I stay at IHG when I travel, and if I found out that five percent of the people died in IHG hotels, I wouldn't rate it five stars. But I know what you mean. <laughs> <No. laughs> it's just cool to go to a state too that that's like a duck hunting state. Like just from my drive up from the airport to the lodge, um, there mm-hmm. were shops dedicated to like duck boats and duck motors and stuff you don't see out here in Washington or call shops and guys ripping mm-hmm. and with boats behind them and it was incredible just to see that it was really cool um because like all your organizations like delta and du that's kind of where they're all founded down there i'm not sure where du was but um mm-hmm. like delta was founded in bismarck but like in louisiana and some of the southern states where washington we only have when i started we were the only chapter of delta in washington um there had been a few that fell out but we were the only one for a year or two, and now there's like maybe three tops but some of the southern states they got like 16 within the same county or so like they're just duck hunters diehards down there it's nuts good that's good that honestly though that's that's good for the culture that's good to keep it around as well because i mean that's what the people want you know we gotta push for it so did uh did you go to max mm-hmm. prairie wings at least i literally just wrote that down max is yeah. that in stuttgart yeah it's in yeah. stuttgart no, I- no, I didn't. I just made a quick trip. I think I flew down on a Sunday, drove up. We hunted Monday, um, hung around the lodge and got to know them. And after that, we hunted Tuesday morning. And then I just flew back, drove back down that Tuesday. So I was home by Tuesday. So quick trip um, because it was also during the week and stuff too. And it was one of those things that he called me about a month prior. So I hadn't planned anything out. So, uh, but, so I didn't really get a chance to like, reach out and go check out more so eventually i want to or go to some of those shows down there um but that mm-hmm. is something i've seen on instagram with that's the place to be so i've never been there but i'd like to okay mm-hmm. before we start wrapping her quick here um you said that you started the chapter of delta in your area i know where mm-hmm. we're at there's not one but not that we're really too much of a duck haven here but if it needed to happen like there's not one in your area how does a guy how did you go about getting it started? So, yeah, the easiest way I would say is you can go on Delta Waterfowl um, and you can actually, there's a page dedicated to the map of the nation. It shows you where each individual chapter is. And so that's a great way to kind of see where your local chapter is or where the closest one to you is. And then from there, you can click on, say, the nearest one or even our Eastern Washington one. And it sets you up with the contact information for that regional director or that chairman. So by reaching out them directly, I know our regional director, when I started the program, he drove all the way up from Utah to come talk with me and have an hour meeting about Delta. And so um, our regional director now, I mean, he covers California, Oregon, Washington, and I, I think Idaho. So he does quite a bit of traveling around. And so if you're looking to start a chapter, just I would try and get involved on their Delta website and just see if you can get in touch with the regional director or if you know someone in a Delta chapter, reach out to them, go to one of their banquets, get involved with that. And uh, I mean, I was skeptical in the beginning starting this. I'd never done anything like this. And this has been one of the best decisions I've ever made. It's just the connections I've made with it and the experiences I've gone along with it. Um, I would highly suggest if you're thinking about it, do it. Okay. Well, yeah, that's cool. I probably shouldn't do it. I'm already in trouble for how many things I do, all the other things I'm part of. So 
I've I've yeah. honestly thought yeah. about it, like uh thought about it though, but maybe one day. It doesn't take a ton of time. I mean, it's just volunteer. How much you want to put into it is gonna be how much you get out of it. And as we're growing, this will be coming up on our fourth banquet. Um, you get a steady group of guys and like-minded individuals with you to form a team and uh you can get it done with little to no work honestly it's just your banquet is the biggest thing that stresses me out that when that comes around weekly up to it don't talk to me like i have 10 billion things going on in my mind to make sure this thing goes right yeah well you're also in a populated area too i mean mm -hmm. i think there's 1500 people in our county and our county is bigger than rhode <laughs> island so Gotcha. But that is pretty small. Yeah. So I guess Drew, did you have anything else before we close out? No. no just appreciate dude. you guys no. and inviting me on too, I want to say. Well, thanks Trevor Austin, because I uh he he pawned it off. I asked if he wanted to come on and talk some hunting now that season was done and he said, I got a guy that's good for you. So Yeah, I'm sure they're super busy over there. Every time I call him or talk with him, he's got handling his kid or the business or traveling. I think they're going to be going to Wyoming here soon. So yeah, running a business like that. So they're going to go shoot yeah. some late teas in big Canada. So I'm honestly a little bit jealous of that, but yeah, that is, that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. I'm kind of like here in the next few months going to go into a depression mode till Turkey season comes because I got nothing else to do. Just stare at pictures. No, just Pretty watch much. YouTube. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, Drew, you, Drew, you had nothing else? Mm -mm. No, Connor, it was a pleasure. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Yeah, nice it was good. Both of you guys. If uh, anything big comes up in your area, something we need to know about, let me know. We'll get you back on, or maybe next year we'll do another Sounds one. Good. Sounds good. I appreciate you guys having me on. It was good to get to know you guys and talk. Yep. Uh, sorry about the whole 20 minutes that you wasted at the beginning here, but we'll make it work. It's all good. All right. Have a good night. Yeah. Take care guys. All right. Bye.